So I'm Anne Trefethen. I'm the Chief Information Officer for the University and an Associate Director of the eResearch Centre. Then Donna asked us today to um, participate in this forum on how has technology transferred access and dissemination. The technology that um, I'll be talking about is really just focused on digital technology, although I can uh, see from Donna the uh, aspects of um, trains and steam and the like. But I've gone a little beyond what she asked, and, and it's really, I think, how, how has technology affected all of uh, our, um, around cultural um, heritage in collection, discovery, access, understanding, and dissemination? So she may tell me off for that. I'm just going to spend a few minutes because uh, the, you will see from the rest of the speakers um, examples of content and the ways in which digital um, technology has had an impact. So I'm just going to spend a few minutes with some examples. <laughs> and one area is really about how do we create these collections? So digital technology has allowed us to have a bring in a much broader uh, community into developing cultural heritage collections through crowdsourcing. So this is a, an example from um, what was OUCS, is now IT Services, uh, where they're helping people to understand how can you run community collections. Uh, there are platforms that we can now share photographs, we can share uh, ideas and uh, historical artefacts. And one example of such a um, sharing of information, this on World War I centenary, for the World War I centenary. And you can see here various themes where there are collections of digital artifacts. Um, and because of our technology, we can then link those together to show where they come from, uh, collection, and then come into this and show what collections might be connected. Similarly, um, one of a great project in the Bodleian, the Electronic Enlightenment, which has collections of letters, enables us not only to be able to search those letters, to see what's in those letters, what people had to say, but it gives us an opportunity to see how that information has spread over time. So you can't quite see perhaps on here, but what we've got here is a, a timeline where if we move along that timeline, you can see the connections, the ideas transferring via letter from one city to another. And you see then the number of people who are uh, talking about that idea. So now we see that through Twitter. You can see whole ideas moving across. Well, in the 18th century, that was done by letter. But by bringing these collections together and using this technology, we're able to see those connections and see how ideas are traveling. Donna's already introduced you to Kleros, which I think really is an exemplar in how we can connect um, these digital collections from across the world um, through linked data. And I think probably Dave will say something more about that going forward. And one of the items I wanted to mention in this uh, collaboration that Donna has led is bringing in uh, our colleagues in engineering who work on uh, visual uh, vision and visual algorithms. 
and have been able to use those collections and use mathematical algorithms to now say, okay, we take a picture on our iPhone of one of these vases and let's see what we can find out. What is this? And by searching through data with that visual uh, information, it will tell you what it is and then say, oh, and by the way, in the archive, we've got these similar um, objects. So bringing that together, the technology is allowing you to discover things. And actually, an interesting artifact from this was um, that in using that, it occasionally brought up, do you remember Donna brought up the wrong thing? And that allowed us to see that actually some of the metadata wasn't quite right. So a side effect was the technology helped to, to uh, clean the data. Another example is from the Pitts Rivers, and this is courtesy of Marina Jurocka, who's working with them to look at um, how they can use their sound archives. And these sound archives are telling us a lot about particular cultures and particular uh, cultural heritage in, in those um, cultures. And creating from those, creating soundscapes to tell us more about those. Um, and this is, um, again, through technology, allowing us to analyze those. As I'm sure you're all aware, there are many platforms available now for dissemination, for not only through the for cultural heritage, but um, that's actually forming part of our cultural heritage. YouTube, for example, now tells us much about the culture that is, um, that's derived from these technologies or that's using them. And uh, we are at Oxford part of the um, iTunes U, um, and in October, it marked its um, fourth anniversary and over 19 million downloads of podcasts of material from the university. Um, over 185 countries gaining uh, access to that information. So again, all enabled through this technology. Yesterday, I thought, well, let's see what we can see what's in the news that might be of interest. And on the BBC um, News Magazine website were two items which I thought were very relevant to what we're talking about. One is about the uh, Chinese caves preserving history and not only preserving history, but filling in the gaps through simulation. So in this top picture here, the yellow pieces are bits that have been simulated so that you could see what it used to look like. And having seen a um, demonstration of what's been done here, um, you can enter a virtual version of these caves wearing a virtual um, capability that allows you to walk in and see these come alive. So the musicians will play the instruments of, those of that day. So again, it's bringing accessibility to that uh, cultural heritage material that we couldn't have had uh, previously. And who, does anybody know who this is? Well, we think it might be Richard III. Um, this is a, a virtual creation from the skull that has been found. And so through simulations, we're able to create a virtual reality. We're able to test the hypotheses of those um, cultural heritage sites. How did people live in these uh, sites and, and the like? So. Donna invited me to participate today to say something about what does this mean from a university 
perspective. As the chief information officer, what does that mean we should be doing at the university? How do we engage with this? And I think from my point of view, all I can say is that we need to ensure that we have the correct infrastructure in place to enable people to be able to participate um, in these uh, capabilities. We need to have the right skill sets. So we need to make sure that we're educating um, our students, our faculty, that we're supporting these activities. Um, and it's really about ensuring that we are providing the right environment that allows tools and technologies that are coming through these collaborations, and you'll hear more about those, I'm sure, through the various talks today, that we're able to support those and disseminate them to allow our researchers and um, educationists to get access to these resources and to um, be effective in their use through the use of technology. And with that, I will hand over to Dave DeRoe.